Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back. We are here for another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Trojan fans out there, what is the Peristyle Podcast? It is a weekly internet radio show, about one hour, talking everything USC football. It is hosted by me, Ryan Abraham, the publisher of uscfootball.com. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always email us. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. We have a really great show for you today. Coming up later on the show, we have the award-winning writer for college football, Stuart Mandel from Sports Illustrated. He will join us today. We also have Dan Wojcicki, the uscfootball.com beat writer. We'll be talking all about the Pac-10, talking about USC's big win over Ohio State. But first, in our first segment, as always, we are joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how's it going today? Ryan, I tell you, it couldn't be better. I tell you, we're rolling right along with the college football season, NFL football's rolling along, and of course, I want to support high school football and all the other leagues, and I want to support everybody and say, get out there and watch your high school football teams play. Because remember, it's just as important to watch those high school kids play as it is the college kids, and then someday you get to watch those same kids on Sunday and Monday play in the NFL. So it's great, and I'll tell you what, uh, for all you Trojans fans, I know right now you Everyone's saying it's great to be a Trojan because they certainly are the number one team in the country. They certainly are, and uh, Coach, we'll get to that in a second, but I just wanted to thank our sponsor for the first segment of the show, Southern California Tickets, over at sctickets.com. 1-800-888-7287 is the number. Concerts, sporting events, if you need any of the home games coming up for USC as they make this national title run, Oregon, Arizona State, any of those big games, give them a call over at Southern California Tickets sctickets.com and coach i wanted to talk to you uh you know, i saw you in the press box on saturday going up there to cover ohio state you're all over the radio can you give uh give everyone a little you know taste of where you, they can find you on the radio talking about usc <laughs> i tell you sometimes i wonder where i'm at you know you're right <laughs> i like i have a i have a procedure you know i like to do on saturdays before we do the pregame show but as far as uh, ESPN Radio in L.A., I'm on two and a half hours before the game. Uh, whether the game is on the road or the game is at home, I'm always on at the same time for one hour with Steve Mason. Uh, if we're at home, we're at the open end of the uh, Coliseum there where the statue and the torch in. They have a big stage up there. Come on over and have some fun with us. That's where the team passes by or normally walks by. If it's a home game that starts at 5, they normally walk by around 3.15, so you have a chance to see the players up close, and it's really exciting. Then on Sunday mornings uh, from 8 to 10 a.m., I have uh, what we call, we do it from the studio in Los Angeles. It's called Trojan Brunch, and it's a lot of fun doing that show. And Mark Willard and also Dale Rideau, former player at USC, and we sort of recap the entire game and you know, really say what we feel as far as what we feel about the game, what was good, what was positive, what was negative. And then we sort of talk about the national scene and we talk about ranked teams. We talk about all the different things that are happening in college football. But we really emphasize USC football for at least an hour and a half of the two-hour show. We really, really go through it. We pick a most valuable player offensively and defensively and why and so on. So I have a lot of fun doing that show. Then 
I go to my Vegas stations, which is Sports Talk AM 1400, Monday night at 6 p.m. I do Monday night football uh, from 6 to 7 p.m. Tuesdays I have a show in Vegas that goes 6 to 7 p.m. And I feature different colleges throughout the country, like the University of Hawaii. I have their head coach on. Notre Dame football uh, from back in South Bend. I have a uh, the captain of the 1973 uh, national championship team, Frank Pomerico, joins me and gives me an update on Notre Dame football. Uh, we have the head coach from the University of Minnesota, Tim Brewster. We have a Golden Gopher football report with him. He calls in every Tuesday night, a former player of mine who's now the head coach at Minnesota. And then we highlight a top high school program um, in the country. And uh, during the past years, Bishop Gorman has one of the top high school programs in America. In fact, their first four non-league games, they played four teams from out of state, the state champion from Arizona. They played uh, 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 what's it, the school from San Francisco, uh, Archbishop Reardon, I think it is, from San Francisco. They, they also played a team from Alaska called Service Alaska, and last weekend, Dixie College, so or Dixie, Dixie, Utah. So I talk about their programs and why they have to play out of state like that, and so on. And it's really great to have that side of high school football, like when I talked about in the opening of the show. Friday, uh, Wednesday nights, again, I have another show from six to seven p.m. with various different guests. Could be Dwayne Walker, could be Nick Holt, could be uh, Kirby Wilson from the Steelers. It could be anybody. And then Thursday nights, I'm at the back in California. At the Burger Continental, which is a restaurant in Pasadena at 535 South Lake, where we all gather and have fun. And the first hour, I call it the Burger Continental Special from 6 to 7, where we go through and talk about all college athletics and so on. And sometimes we do some odds on that show and feature certain things. I have a UNLV football segment on that show. Also, since I was the coach at UNLV, I like to follow UNLV football and get call-ins on that. Then from 7 to 8, we have a show that everyone should be listening to, and I'll tell you, let you tell them how they can listen to it here locally. It's called URC Trojan Talk. And uh, this week, uh, Nick Holt's going to be our guest on that show. He comes to the Burger Continental, and we sit down and we eat, and we have a lot of fun. A lot of Trojan fans come to the show. And uh, that show goes back to Las Vegas because there's so many SC football fans in Las Vegas that uh, this show has been real popular show in the Las Vegas area. You can also get it on all my shows on the on the website at kshp.com and then just hit listen. But, Brian, also they can get the show right here on uscfootball.com, and you can tell them uh, how they can get that. Definitely, yeah. So we will post when uh, uh, Harvey's producer will send me the show. I will put it up on our website, and I'll put links to it. So the page where you get to the Peristyle podcast on uscfootball.com, should be able to get to USC Trojan Talk as well. So we'll put that up there as soon as we get the shows. Coach, you're all over the place on the radio. I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm flying all over the place. And, uh, and then, of course, we do this every Wednesday morning. People probably wonder, when do we take this? Because maybe towards the end of the week it could be come outdated or whatever. But you and I do this show every Wednesday morning at 9.30 a.m. and try to bring everybody up to date on the past game and the future and players and what's going on. And we also take uh, questions from all of our listeners out there and try to answer those. All right. So let's get right to that. Um, just wanted to just talk about that game a little bit, Coach. Number five team in the country came in and was just 
embarrassed by the USC Trojans. All phases of the game dominated that game. I, I mean, Coach, what do you take away from something like that? It looked like the players afterwards weren't even they weren't even winded. It was almost like it was a one of those medium strength practices, not like a full on game against a top five team. You know, I, I talked about that on our Sunday morning Trojan brunch. This is a special group of guys. This is a special team. They're very close. And as the game went on, this team got stronger. And and you mentioned that. You noticed that, Ryan. And I and I agree with you 100%. And the young players that came in and played at the end of the game, we can go over that and how well they played, were challenging themselves and wanted to play at a different level and so on. Uh, this is a special team. And, you know, I said Sunday morning, I said Sunday morning, I said, this team will not have that Stanford game, that this team will not have that UCLA game or the games that you want to forget because this team really is a different team on offense. You've got Mark Sanchez, which is a different type of cat. I mean, he motivates the entire offense to play at a different step or a different level. And he brings his game and he forces everyone else to bring their game. And I thought it was really tremendous the way they played and they played a different taste. They have a lot of pride and they're close together. I see the offensive guys talking to the defensive guys, the defensive guys talking to the offensive guys. And, you know, you don't normally see that, or I haven't seen that in the past. I see a different chemistry out there. And same with the defense. We've been talking earlier, and, and you know you've heard me say this, I think they're coaching differently on defense. They're, 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 they're coaching at a higher intensity level all the time. It's never good enough. It's never good enough. Even if you make a great play, it could have been better. And they played that way the entire game. And uh, sure, there are always negatives and things you got to improve on. As, as the kids say it themselves, well, I didn't have a great game. I should have done this. I should have thrown the ball earlier. I shouldn't have got sacked. And I said, Mark Sands says, you shouldn't have run that play. Throw the ball out of bounds. Don't run it. Remember that time? Right. When he got, yeah. <laughs> I said, please. I didn't want to see him get hurt. But, you know, I see the team, too, improving in special teams. I see them really, I think Beal is a great place kicker. I see him covering kickoffs with a lot of enthusiasm and making good tackles. I don't see him missing tackles. I see him coming on the rush and the push with the defensive line. In fact, I'll tell you, I gave as the player of the week offensively, I gave it to the offensive line. The week before, I gave it to Sanchez. Should could have given to Sanchez again this week, but I wanted to give it to a unit that went up against a great challenge. People really didn't know how well they or how good they were when they played Virginia. But they all say, "Oh, who's Virginia? They got beat this week. They beat Richmond, this and that." But hey, they went against a team that played in the national championship game and had players back this past Saturday. And just, they played just about well. everybody back, coach, and they they did play well. I mean that that was a big question mark coming in, and I think they. You know, I think they answered that. I mean, there was no question that they dominated the line. The only sack that they gave up was the one where Mark kind of, it was Mark's fault. He admitted it was his fault, you know, when he got sacked on that one play, the fourth down play. But everything else, I mean, they, they could have run the ball a little bit better, certainly. Um, and they featured kind of Joe McKnight a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, pass protection, I mean, they couldn't have been better. I agree with you. And uh, so I gave the offensive award to the offensive line and I gave the defensive award. Now everybody played great on defense, don't get me wrong. Uh what was it? Uh Ohio State had scored in hundred and forty one straight games and they shut that streak out now. Uh, they they didn't even score a touchdown against SC. I gave it to the defensive line. Why? Because they put so much pressure so much pressure on 
the quarterback and, and, and everyone. They were playing on their side of the line of scrimmage all the time. Uh, so I, I thought the defensive group uh, was my defensive player of that game. And I think it, they, they, they played at a different level, and, and it was hard to select someone, so I just gave it to the entire group, the offense and defensive lines of both teams. So it, it's, hard to go, it was, it, it's hard to go against that, Coach. I mean, both lines did play really well. And I think the big thing coming in was that there was – you know, you replaced two first-round draft picks or on the defensive line. You replaced, um, you know, four or five guys on the offensive line. And, and I, maybe it's the most overrated stat in college football is returning starters. You know, Ohio State returned 20 of 22 starters or something like that. And we're dominated on both sides of the ball. I agree with you. And then to watch Clay Matthews play, what a, the way he plays, I just love watching him play. That sack he put on Beckman, I wow for the backside when he when he fumbled and SC recovered, he just came out of nowhere. And then to see young players, Armon Armstead, that big kid freshman, the way he played and got a sack, six five, two hundred ninety pounds, he played so great. And Casey played well. And how about Malik Jackson coming in and the way he flew around, his body was flying around number ninety seven. I said, wow true freshman in there in a big game like this playing so well and then on offensively i don't know how many people saw tyrone smith the big uh, uh tackle that backs up uh charles brown at the left side six six two hundred and seventy five pounds a true freshman i watched his pass block techniques and so on how well he played and alex parson was in there so a lot of players got some great experience too in this type of win i think you can't be and also i love the rotation if you notice in this game, the players stayed on the field. Two tailbacks played, two receivers played. Most of the time, the offensive line stayed intact. Everyone got a feel of it, and uh, I think they're a great football team. And what can you say about Stanley Avili? Huh? He, he he's always hanging around to to block someone. He's always hanging around to take the dump off passes. In fact, he was the leading receiver in that game with five catches. And how about that brilliant catch he made when they isolated him on a linebacker down the sideline and made that great play for the first touchdown of the game? I tell you, it was almost, it's not a perfect game, but it was almost what you might call a perfect game. Yeah, Havili actually got a lot of work during the week, and uh, they told, we'll talk to Dan Wecky about this later, but some of the coaches had told him, like, yeah, don't say anything, but we're going to use Havili a lot. And they really did kind of feature him. I think they, they found that he matched up pretty well with the guys he was going to go against. Uh, you know, on Ohio State. The one thing you mentioned, the rotation, after the first week, you had five different tailbacks score touchdowns, and the carries for the first three or four tailbacks were kind of split just about evenly. In this game, Pete Carroll said that sometimes there's a guy gets hot and we're just going to go with him. And it was certainly Joe McKnight who had 100 yards rushing. Uh, do you think that's going to have some kind of negative effect on the other backs? Because they really did have a featured back who got the majority of the carries in this game, and it was McKnight over the other guys like Gable and Stephon Johnson and Alan Bradford. Well, I don't think it'll be a negative effect. I think most players want to play, but you never know when someone's going to get hurt, and this is what competition is all about. You know, now he has a concussion, so he's nursing on that, and if, if this week they had a game, who knows? Maybe he couldn't go. But to have a great team, you've got to stay with certain players. They've got to get a feel on the game when you run a play and it doesn't work. They come back and run it again. They have a vision. They see what what they did right or what they did wrong to play before. C.J. Gable came in and had a great game, I thought. Made some moves that uh, they hadn't seen for a long time in the Big Ten. 
when Johnson came in, he was successful. Bradford was successful. I mean, you know, you're very fortunate. Even Tyler got in the game. Very fortunate to have this type of depth, and that's what it's all about. And great players will continue to come to USC because they want to compete and they want to be a part of the Trojan program. Right now, it's the most talked about program in America. I would think so. Uh, Certainly, People can't yeah. believe it. Uh, I would think so. What would they get? Fifty-seven of the sixty-one votes for first place. Yeah, it's almost unanimous in both polls. So there, there's a couple of people that you know voted them two or three, but for the most part, everyone voted them number one. You're exactly right. The only thing I would love to see a little bit more is I'd love to see the toss a little bit more, the OSC sweep, because I really think that stretches the defense. It puts a lot of stress on the corners, makes the corners come up and tackle. And uh, from that, you can open up your inside run and do a, f- a few other things. And I'd also love to see, and they haven't done a lot of drop-back passing. They've done a lot of play-action passing, which has really helped them. I'd love to see them off the drop-back pass uh, uh, action, put in a real good draw, and then have pass action off their draw. I'd love to see that happen. And on defense, i love to see them play man. They, lo- they really can play man. Uh, Harrison. And right, I, I love the way Rod plays, and, and Josh Pinker, what a great player he is for not starting. Uh, I, I'm just telling you, they have the depth to really come after you defensively, and they match up well with everyone. And and uh, when they play man, you know, when you play man, you can really go after people a lot more and really cause a lot of things to happen, a lot of turnovers, which which they've been having now, playing more man. Last year they started off playing very soft. This year they're starting off as they ended up last year, playing a lot of man and getting after people. Yeah, coach. And a couple of things I wanted to bring up. One is the health issue you talked about. I mean, they're very healthy. I don't remember a team like this being as healthy, you know, a USC team being this healthy. Usually there's at least a few guys that were out for the season with injuries and there are definitely guys getting nicked up, but for the most part, everyone's able to play and there's no like, you know, not a guy like Ray Maluga out for the season with a knee injury or a shoulder separation or anything like that. They didn't see anything like that. And the other thing I want to talk about is the, the offense. I think, you know, and, and they weren't playing perfectly on offense and they, they left some points on the table for sure. I mean, that, there was an interception in the end zone. I think Mark Sanchez had a lot of self-inflicted wounds where it wasn't like the defense forced him into making a bad throw. There was guys open and he just kind of missed them or it just the play didn't quite work out that way. As scary as it is, they put up 35 points on this great defense. I don't think the offense played great. I think they played well, but not as good as they're capable of playing. Well, you always strive to be better and better and better. And I think Sanchez said it himself in his post-game interviews. He said, you know, we really weren't on. I don't think he had a great day. He completed some great passes and made some good decisions and so on. But his ball floated just a little bit. He threw behind... uh, Williams, I think it was Williams on that play, or it might have been a touchdown. Williams had the guy beat there at the end of the half when he threw that interception. But, uh, you know, you're not always going to have your greatest game of the year. Sometimes you're too ready. And I thought early in the game against Ohio State, I thought the offensive team had to settle down. The first series or two, they were too ready to play. You know, on offense, you got all firing all 11 cylinders at the same time. Defensively, you just line up and get after them. After they settled down, I thought they started to play some great football. The play calling was good. They got it in. They mixed it up. They got after it good. <clears throat> they didn't rotate uh, a lot of players in there, especially the receivers and so on. And they played well. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, when you can beat Ohio State 35-3 to and say, you know, we got to get a little bit better in some areas, then you're doing the right thing. 
I agree with you, Coach. And then the one thing I brought up, the other part, is the health. Do you remember this team being as healthy as they are now? It's, just, it's almost uncanny that no one's been injured, knock on wood there. No, I agree with you. I don't think they've lost. They might <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I don't think they've lost anybody early in camp either. I, think, I don't think they've lost a player since camp started. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they have. No, no, that's why I'm usually camp starts. Oh, there's a guy out for the year. At least, I mean, there was a couple of guys that, you know, wouldn't be on the field that, you know, like a, a Trey Henderson, stuff like that, that aren't able to play or, a, or a, a Myers on the offensive line. But, you know, the two deep really has not been affected by any injuries. You're exactly right. And I'll tell you, they picked up two players this week, too, who are now uh, into school and practicing as Perry Kidd and from Michigan, the Michigan, what, uh, all-time sack uh Leader, yeah. I guess they're playing in what a strong side linebacker they, and another running back. Yeah, they they lined uh, Nick Perry up at strong side linebacker yesterday in practice, and then they had uh, Curtis McNeil. They like to call him Moody McNeil. He was uh, struggling a little bit catching punts, but they they threw those guys right in there right away. And it's a good week for that too because of the bye week. They just wanted to get some young players time. And coach, I think that's the last topic I wanted to talk about with you. It's a strange beginning of the season for this team because you had. The early game, Virginia, on the road, travel, then you have a bye week. Then you have the huge matchup with Ohio State, uh, blow them out. Then you have another bye week. And then the Thursday game, which they never play a Thursday game, the Thursday game uh, against Oregon State. It, uh, the players seem to be happy because it's like it doesn't let you get into some kind of lull or anything. But it seems like it would take you out of your rhythm a little bit that you're playing. You have so many weekends off in the first few weeks of the season. Well, you know, uh, in most teams it would. But I tell you, this is a special group of kids. And uh, after saying what I said on Sunday when I said this team isn't going to let somebody slip up and catch them when they're down, you heard Mark Sanchez, you heard Pete Carroll even uh, say it this week. Hey, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let that happen anymore at USC. And uh, I don't care what day. I don't care what day you see. There's a squirrel in my yard. And my dog wants that squirrel. So, you know, she's playing a little USC defense here. Nice, okay? nice. Yeah, she's getting after on a blitz here. going to sack that squirrel. But, and I apologize to all of our listeners, but uh, if you love dogs like I do, then they stay in the broadcast room with you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it it's just the way it is. You know, I forgot what I was talking about now. <laughs> well, Coach, that's okay because we're out of time for this segment anyway. But I just wanted to... Thank you for joining us. It's our 31st episode, and we've done so many, and I think all the USC fans appreciate your insights, and I hope they get to listen to you when you're doing your various USC radio shows and stuff, and hopefully uh, they enjoy it. Well, thank you very much, and uh, Ryan, let me tell you, I really enjoy doing this with you, have a lot of fun with it, and it always makes it a lot easier, doesn't it, when you win? It's, yeah, talk about wins are a lot easier than talk about It can be fun to talk about a loss if you have a – a coach you don't like or something like that, but everyone loves this stuff. <laughs> everyone loves the staff, you know, it's just hard to, you know, when, when a, a loss happens, you know, it's probably self-inflicted. Well, I'll tell you, buddy, uh, we'll have a week off and we'll do it again. And then, uh, well, next week's show, when we do, we'll be doing it the day before the Oregon state uh, game. Yeah. Very pregame stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll get more. They might come out a little earlier just because of that. Cause I'll be traveling up to Corvallis to cover that game. But, Coach, thank you, and thanks again to our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. If you need any tickets to USC football games, check them out at sctickets.com. Coach, thanks for joining us again. 
And thank you very much, buddy. All right, everyone else, we'll be back a really quick break, and we're going to come back with Stuart Mandel from SI.com. Stay tuned. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. All right, Trojan fans, welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast. This is episode number 37. We're in our second segment, and we are lucky enough to have two very special guests, or at least one special guest and one uh, kind of special (laughs) guest. Uh, In studio with me in the luxurious uscfootball.com studios, I have... USCfootball.com beat writer Dan Wojcicki. Dan, thanks for joining us. I've been called special more than you'll ever know. Special like short bus special, I'm sure. All right, and then on the phone, the very famous sports writer, Stuart Mandel of SI.com. He is also the author of a very fine book called Bulls, Poles, and Tattered Souls, Tackling the Chaos and Controversy that Reign Over College Football. Very, very long title, Stuart, but thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Can you uh, let people know where they can find that book? Oh, your easiest bet is definitely Amazon.com. Paperback just came out a few weeks ago with an updated chapter about last season. And, uh, you know, I think that Amazon's the easiest place to do it. All right. Well, I just wanted to get into some college football talk. So much is going on three or four weeks into the season right now. The latest piece I saw up on SI.com was something I actually wanted to ask you about before I even read that. But it seems like there could be, you know, the number one and number two teams in the country, USC and Oklahoma, could be some sort of rematch in Miami that we saw f- uh, four years ago when uh, USC took down Oklahoma 55-19. to 19. Yeah, everybody wants to jump on that already, especially after seeing the way USC was so dominant against Ohio State. You know, I, I don't think you, if you look at USC right now, you know, I don't think there's any question that um, they'll be expected to win every game the rest of the way. Oklahoma's going to have some tougher tests, uh, you know, starting with the the – Actually, uh, uh, could be a surprising test against TCU in a couple weeks, but more so Texas. And then, of course, they would get to the Big 12 championship and possibly play Missouri. Uh, But I think after what happened last season and all the upsets and uh, the way the national championship race changed right down to the last week of the season, I think we're all getting a little ahead of ourselves if we start uh, penciling in the one and two teams uh, three weeks into the season. Stu, yeah, that brings up a good point. I was wondering, you know, looking ahead at USC's schedule, who are the teams that can maybe step up and beat them? Is there anybody that stands out to you as, as a potential like upset? I mean, the, the, the most uh, impressive team besides them in the Pac-10 so far has been Oregon. And if that game were in Eugene and maybe a little later in the season uh, when they can you know, get their latest injured quarterback,
quarterback back, I might feel like that has more upset potential. But being in only a couple weeks from now at the Coliseum, uh, you know, if USC is playing its A game, I can't see them losing. I think USC's USC's biggest opponent this season will be USC. You know, each of the past two years, they've lost a Pac-10 game that they had, you know, really no business losing. It's a matter of them um, not overlooking anybody uh, and and. Um, you know, playing the way they're capable. They don't have to dominate everybody the way they have in the first two weeks. Um, even in the 2004 undefeated season, you know, they had a couple games where they were really tested and went right down to the wire, and I'm sure that will happen. Uh, but there's no team on the schedule I look at and say that team really has upset potential. All right, Stu, let's look back to this past weekend. We got to uh, have you, you know, celebrity guest here at our uh, USCfootball.com tailgate, and it was really nice piece you put up there pictures of the the rv and stuff just want to get your overall thoughts on the uh, usc ohio state game i mean i i think most people predicted usc would win but did it go down the way you thought it would no i mean i predicted usc to win especially after beating wells got hurt but i didn't expect it to be nearly that lopsided um you know ohio state's defense has performed well uh for the most part for three years running uh and usc just shredded it maybe they struggled a little early uh but once Mark Sanchez gotten there into a rhythm, uh, and Joe McKnight running the ball. You know, they look like the USC offenses of the uh, Aligner-Bush era, and to do that against a team like Ohio State is extremely impressive. Uh, I think on the other side, Ohio State was definitely very limited by not having Wells, um, and we'll never know how that might have changed the result, but I don't think it would have changed, obviously, the outcome of the game. Maybe Ohio State would have been more productive on offense, but you know, USC never really let them uh, – do anything. Their defense is, is looks as dominant as it has been the past couple of years, and they really exploited, uh, you know, Ohio State offensive line. That it seems like every uh, big game they've played here nationally the past few years um, has really struggled. You mentioned Mark Sanchez. Um, I guess how good is he? Have you seen enough from him in two games to to really be like he's an elite quarterback right now in college football? Or do you still yeah, think that he's re- a big? Oh, go ahead. No, I really like what I see. Um, you know. Like I said, Ohio State defense is, is no, uh, you know, no no lightweight by any means. You know, and you're going against guys like um, James Laurinaitis and Malcolm Jenkins, and he picked them apart. Um, he, you know, I think the thing with John David Booty the past couple of years, I mean, it wasn't all his fault. You know, last year the receivers didn't really step up, and the offensive line got hurt. He was a good quarterback, but he was never on the same level as as. Carson Palmer and Matt Liner and Sanchez to me, it's not even necessarily entirely a physical thing. He just has that presence, that, that swagger that those guys had um, that you've come to expect from a USC quarterback. Yeah, it's funny. If you, you're you a part of that HeismanPundit.com Heisman poll, and uh, you know Mark Sanchez moved up there. I think he's number two on that list right now. Typically, though, I'm not sure if he's capable of winning. Yeah, he can have a great season, but you almost need to win the Heisman. You need that one season where everyone notices you, and then that follow-up season where you have a little bit better stats, and that's the one you can win. Do you think Mark could actually break through and win this one, or does he got to have to just get his name out there this year? Well, I think uh, I think there, you know you have a little built-in name recognition that comes with playing for USC, and not only that, this guy he's been well known since he was a recruit. He's had to wait his time, but. I think most fans have known the name Mark Sanchez for three or four years now. Um, so I don't think that's going to be the problem. Um, I think the problem is going to be, uh, like we talked about, a lack of competition. You know, I think the Heisman gets won usually, usually uh, by the guys who perform the best in the big national showcase games, of which he just had one. 
but I don't know how many he's going to have the rest of the way. Um, the Notre Dame game obviously always gets a lot of attention, but who knows how good Notre Dame will be at that point. So, you know, I think the way he would win the Heisman is just to continue to put up huge numbers week in and week out. Uh, but he's probably not going to get the same kind of uh, exposure and the same kind of, um, you know, games that, that you know, make or break national title games that uh, Chase Daniel, Sam Bradford, you know, Sean Marino, those guys will have. Let's assume that USC wins out goes to the national championship. You mentioned Oklahoma. Who are some of the other teams that could, they could maybe see in Miami? Well, I think because of what's happened the past two years, everybody's going to be looking to the SEC and see who they produce. And if, you know, if they can produce a team, even with one loss, there's going to be, I think, a strong sentiment for that team to play for the national title. I'm just not sure who that team is yet. Georgia makes me a little bit nervous. It'll be interesting to see them at Arizona State this week. They do have, obviously, a lot of, a lot of great players. Uh, but their offensive line is still very much a work in progress. I don't know who's going to emerge from that conference, or maybe nobody will emerge from that conference with less than two losses. And if that's the case, um, you know, besides Oklahoma, if you look around the country, um, you know, now Ohio State to me is now takes a back seat in the Big Ten, and I think uh, both Wisconsin and Penn State have, a, have the ability to uh, have that special kind of season. Um, you know, elsewhere... Uh, I think uh, I don't see them coming out of the ACC. Uh, the only team that, with a chance to come out of the Big East is USF. I just don't know if they have that respect factor yet. Now you didn't mention one team, Missouri, who obviously they could they could make a nice run with Chase Daniel. Is that because of the whole Northwestern Missouri, who's the number one journalism school? That's right. We don't. We never give them a fair shake. I saw Missouri. <laughs> I went to the over their game against Illinois, and they look their offense is second to none. I mean, the way Chase Daniel runs that offense is incredible. But I just still don't believe that they have a national championship type defense, and and I don't see them. I don't. I don't know what would be the difference that would cause them to beat Oklahoma this year after getting crushed by them in the Big 12 title game last year. Oklahoma, to me, is, is a better team than they were a year ago. Missouri might be as well, but I just don't see them getting over hump. I think they'll have an amazing season, so maybe that's why I don't necessarily consider them on the national title uh, shortlist. Stu, you're a product of a Big Ten university, um, Northwestern. I myself attended a Big Ten university. Not necessarily a product of it, but <laughs> attended. Um, what's the problem with that conference in big games? Are they just – is it stylistically where they just can't compete with the SEC and the Pac-10, the, that faster style, or are they catching up? I, you know, I think that every conference goes through up and down cycles, and there's no question they've been, they're, they're in, the, they've been in the midst of a down cycle. Although I, I think despite what you saw from Ohio State – I actually think the conference is a little better overall this year, but um, they have fallen behind the curve, I think, in terms of the way the game has changed. It's actually kind of ironic. Nobody runs, no conference has more teams that run the spread offense than uh, than the Big Ten does, but I don't feel like their defenses have, have been as innovative, in particular in terms of the movement toward more, more speedy players, smaller players uh, coming off the ends. Um, you know, guys who used to play linebacker playing defensive line, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, part of it is, is geography. A lot of those kind of players tend to be from the South uh, and not the Midwest. But at the same time, I, I think that conference got into such – had been in a mentality for so long of bigger is better. And I think they're only now coming around to the idea uh, – and they've seen it firsthand because of what they've suffered in these PCS games um, – 
that you've got to recruit more speed on defense. I think that you'll see that in the coming years. But they, they just got a little behind the curve on it. All right, well, you go from a struggling conference to a conference that's dominating right now, at least in the polls, five of the top ten teams coming from the SEC. Now, I, I think the SEC is the best conference. I'm not sure if they deserve five teams in the top ten, especially when one of them wins a three-run homer over a two-run double or whatever, three-to-two Auburn win. Are they a top ten team only able to score three points in a game? <laughs> I think this weekend will be a very – this. you know, last weekend all the focus was on USC and Ohio State – this weekend, the college football world turns to the SEC. You've got LSU and Auburn playing Auburn, Florida playing Tennessee, Georgia playing at Arizona State, uh, Alabama playing at Arkansas. I think we'll learn a lot more about these teams by the end of the weekend. I expect it to be another, you know, another uh, extremely tough weekend, week out season in the SEC where these teams beat each other up. Uh, but the, the, the one difference is at the beginning of last year, I really thought LSU had, you know, all the makings of a special team and. They did suffer, uh, you know, some of the lumps that come with playing in that conference. But in the end, they, they improved their worthiness. Everybody has Georgia as that team this year, and I'm just not I'm just not as sold on them as I was on LSU last year. Same with Florida, you know, high in the rankings, uh, but not in particularly impressive against Miami. So there are they're they're going to be a deep conference as always. In fact, as you look at them right now, uh, there's 11 teams in that conference that could go to a bowl game, including Vanderbilt. Um, there's about five or six teams that can win that conference. The question is, are they going to produce a truly elite uh, national title contending team? Yeah, as opposed to like five guys that you know that could play in BCS bowl games. But this is a totally personal question for me, or just a, it, it's personal for me because my girlfriend attended the University of Tennessee. I'm going to be attending the USC, I mean the Tennessee Florida game down in Knoxville. Is there any chance Tennessee can win that game? Yeah, there's a chance just because of the unpredictable nature of the SEC. You know, you look at it and you say, well, they lost to UCLA, and then UCLA got crushed by BYU, so they must stink. I really don't think that's the case. I think uh, they're a much better team than they showed against UCLA. And, you know, anytime you go on the road in the SEC, that changes the dynamic a little. If the game were in Gainesville, I'd say, you know, no chance. Uh, in Knoxville, you know, I remember two years ago when Florida won the national title, that game was, I think the score was 21-20. I'd expect more of the same of that very close game. Certainly, Florida should be favored. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Stu, tell us about your uh, your press box uh, rendezvous um, at USC. Uh, so you're talking to a couple of uh, celebrity bigwigs. Well, you know, USC is all about the celebrities coming out to the games, and uh, I give a lot of credit uh, to Tim Teflon, USC's uh, longtime SID. He he told me. Uh, a long ways back, they had some kind of surprise waiting for me at the game, and it turned out that the mailbag celebrity crush, uh, Caitlin Olson from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, and her co-star and fiance, uh, mm-hmm. Rob, who plays Mac on the show, mm-hmm. made an appearance. And it definitely caught me off guard because I had been emailing with her, and she, she, she I guess she's an, this is why she's a good actor. She uh, led me to believe that she couldn't make it, and then all of a sudden I turn around and she's there. Wow, that was a. Uh... It's a it's a it's a great show. One of my favorites. I know I know you're a fan, and and you're right. She is crush worthy. So, it's a it's a phenomenally funny show, and it debuts. And, you know, now I feel like I got to plug the show uh, <laughs> after spending time with the stars. A season premiere Thursday night, uh, tomorrow night. Back to back episodes. I actually, one I guess one of the uh, perks of doing the celebrity crush is that they they then send you advanced copies of the episodes. So. I have seen them, and the second one, which is called 
the gang solves the gas crisis is one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. All right. Well, everyone, check that out. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Dan always has this uh, eclectic taste in shows. And oh, it's a it's a great show. I've been uh I just bought season three on DVD. I love it. It's a great show. One of his favorite ones. And then, uh, you like raunchy, politically incorrect humor. Uh, this is, this show does it as well as anybody. Yeah, like any show that has an episode titled "The Gang Finds a Dumpster Baby" is like right up my alley. Cool. Well, it's Dad, be going welfare. I mean, it's every storyline is as inappropriate as possible. <laughs> All right, so we just want to give you one last thought. Uh, USC obviously had a huge win over Ohio State. The rest of the Pac-10 pretty much laid an egg. After looking great the first couple of weeks, the Pac-10 just fell on their face. So where do you see the, yeah. the rest of the conference going? I don't think it's, you know, everybody wants to jump all over them. People forget that the Pac-10 is probably the only conference where the teams, all the teams at some point go on the road for a non-conference. You know, it's easy to jump on them, but you know how many teams from the other conferences are flying across the country to play games the way Cal did to go play Maryland. Uh, so I don't think it's as bad as they looked. I do think UCLA came back to earth after uh, that Tennessee game. We expected them to struggle this year. But I still think Oregon's very good. That was a big win at Purdue. Uh, if they can ever keep their quarterbacks healthy, they're going to be a legitimate uh, threat. Um, I think Cal will bounce back, and they'll be very good. Um but there have been a couple of disappointments for sure. You know, I thought Arizona, this would be the Arizona turn the corner and they lose to New Mexico. I expected much more out of Oregon State and they've just stunk so far. So um, it's just not, it looks like it might not be as deep a conference as we expected. All right. Well, Stuart Mandel from SI.com. Check out his book. Check out his ramblings on the web. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, sharing all your insights. Thanks so much for having me. All right, everyone else, stay tuned. We'll be back after the break. I'll Dan Wecky will be back in studio. We'll be talking more about USC. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Peristyle Podcast. Remember, if you have any questions for us on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Sticking around in studio for the final segment is uscfootball.com beat writer, Dan Wojcicki. What's up, Dan? It's finally glad to be back on the show after, what, like a six-month hiatus? Or? You, you were off for like one week, and I didn't, I didn't stop hearing about it, so we have to have you on. But it was nice. It was, <laughs> it was our first time actually having... All right, my new setup where two people in studio and we can have someone on the phone. So we're getting technologically advanced here on the Peristyle podcast. Yeah, no, it was nice. It was good. It was good to talk to Stu Mandel. Um, I thought he had some really interesting thoughts. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I'd love to talk more about it. Right. We'll get uh, we'll, we'll talk some more about USC. And we're definitely every week we'll be trying to get some good guests, national guests, stuff like that. We've had uh, Austin Murphy from Sports Illustrated, Stu Mandel. We've had Bruce Feldman from who? Uh, Bruce Feldman from ESPN. So we had a lot Never of good, of yeah, a lot of good guests, and we'll keep doing that. And we'll as a special feature here on the Peristyle Podcast. Just want to thank our sponsor for the final segment, TailgateHaven.com. We actually had our first big tailgate of the year uh, for the Ohio State game, and uh, you can see our page up on TailgateHaven.com. If you have a tailgate, 
and you want to join ours, you can go on there, register. It takes about two minutes, and you can link everyone together, put pictures of your tailgate. We're still going to do that. I got the pictures in from the tailgate, and you can put up videos, all kinds of stuff. So check out tailgatehaven.com. Yeah, the tailgate was a good time. I, I had a really a really good time sitting around, meeting some of the guys you know, from the boards and eating some great food. Yeah, Dano does a great job cooking all the food up, and uh, our, our Chicago crew did a nice job bringing in four kegs of beer. So we had uh, plenty of beer, and Vicious Vodka was our vodka sponsor. We had lots of booze out there, so it was all good stuff. <laughs> lots of booze, lots of beer. It, it was it was a good time. All right, so Dan just wanted to, uh, you know, with the game, we're done with the game. USC won, beat Ohio State. Moving on, I have the strange weird bye week and yeah i know you've not been around here for a while but i don't ever remember usc playing a thursday night game they play next thursday at oregon state uh, oregon state struggling a little bit what's the attitude of the team been with the, this kind of strange schedule they have you know i think they're just coping with it it's not been anything where really where they've uh they've spent any time worrying about it you know it is kind of like you said a hodgepodge sort of schedule where you play a game you get a week off you play another game you get a week off and then you play a short week. It, it's really weird. It's it, Coach Carroll's done a pretty good job, I think, of of trying to take what they normally do in game week and transform it. Where you know competition Tuesday now might be on a Sunday or something like that. Where you know he's really moved, trying to move things around and get the team, I guess, feeling as normal as possible. Yeah, definitely. And it's 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 a weird. I don't know, it's just weird. The players seem to like it a lot. Uh, they they kind of like the time off, and it almost doesn't let you get into some kind of lull and you, you just have to kind of be focused all the time because you stop and start, stop and start. Once you get like five, six games in a row, I think that leads itself to those kind of letdowns that they've had in the past. You know, I'm actually of a different opinion on this. I don't think it's a very good thing to have this early in the season because, you know, I think they would want their bye weeks to come later when, you know, maybe they're a little more nicked up and, you know, maybe, maybe with two or three weeks to go in the season, maybe you get that extra week rest where, you know, now, I mean, the team's remarkably healthy right now. They don't really need this extra week to get healthy or to, to, to adjust for a team like Oregon State. I mean, it is nice that they can kind of refocus now for the Pac-10 schedule and kind of recircle the wagons, I guess. But but I think that it's it's not the most beneficial thing in the world to have, these, to have this time off when the team is still seemingly so fresh. Yeah, I guess. But part of it could be that they are fresh because of – they do have that time off. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it works out for them. They're going to have a fairly long stretch after this Thursday game of game after game after game. So we'll see how that part of the season goes. But some of the big news on campus, and uh, we talked about this a little bit in the first segment, uh, Curtis McNeil, or Moody McNeil as he likes to be called, little scat back, he came to practice, and he, he's registered for classes. And Nick Perry, who is a defensive end, all-time sack leader in the state of Michigan, uh, actually came in and was working out, working out with the linebackers. So I just want to give your first day thoughts on those two guys. You know, I thought it was it was kind of neat to watch those guys kind of kind of run around a little bit and and not really have an idea of what what to expect or what was going on. You know, the first thing I noticed was uh, at the start of practice, um, the team usually stretches while the special teams guys return punts, and Moody was over. You know, going through the stretches with you know with the rest of the running backs and stuff like that, and all of a sudden uh, Todd McNair, the running back coach, is. I just just screaming across the field, Moody, Moody, get over here, Moody, and it was because he was supposed to be out returning punts, and he just kind of like you know, kind of like a little lost kid, didn't know where to go, what to do. It was kind, it was kind of neat to watch that. I, you know, I think that they pressed a little bit, especially you know, Moody McNeil. I thought he um, he dropped some passes that he should have caught. He, he muffed a couple punts, but 
You know, it's all first day stuff. I mean, let's let's be realistic. These guys aren't going to help the team this year. It's just almost impossible. They're so far behind as far as the offense and and just the rhythm of practice and everything like that. All the other freshmen say the biggest adjustment is getting used to what it takes to practice at USC. To expect these guys to come in and make any contributions this year, I think, would just be absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, obviously you missed all of fall camps. There were three or four weeks there of practice, of two-a-days and grueling practice to get them into the rhythm. And then actually the first few weeks, you know, three four weeks of, of game practices. So they've missed so much. It looks like they're both going to be redshirting unless there's some crazy thing that would happen. Uh, the one thing that I thought going into the season, Dan, was that the USC would have a lot of guys redshirting this year because they were so deep. They didn't really need any of this star class coming in to fill in any holes. And a couple of guys we mentioned who was going to be, you know, big time con- contributors to this team. I, I think Blake Ailes was a name that always came up and he caught a touchdown mm-hmm. against Ohio state. But if you look at the participation list of the true freshmen, it's really not that long. Bunch of guys on the defensive line. I think in the beginning, it seemed like Pete Carroll was saying that, you know, we're not going to redshirt a lot of guys. Now to me, it's looking like a lot of those guys could potentially redshirt. And this could be the, the biggest redshirted class of Pete Carroll's tenure here. And that's a good thing. I mean, that's if you don't have to play your freshman, obviously, that means you can get those guys that extra year experience. Look at Mark Sanchez. You know, we were talking about him with Stu Mandel. I think one of the biggest things with Mark is that he's had that extra year in the system. When you compare him to where Booty's at and stuff like that, he was a guy who had more time to learn the offense before he was thrust into into the role as starting quarterback. And I think that's the biggest thing right now with with all those freshmen is like guys like Bryce Butler. You know, I mean, could he help the receivers? Probably. I mean, he does some really, really nice things. But if he were to redshirt, I mean, he's going to come in next year when there's no Patrick Turner. The the rest of the group is a year older and a year closer to being gone. And, and you know, he'll be a guy then that they can lean on in the future. I think, you know, Blake Ailes obviously has contributed. I think you mentioned the defensive line guys. And to me, maybe the most surprising freshman of all has been Drew McAllister. has been a guy who's just been a stud. I, I've had conversations with coaches off the record, I guess, about Drew, and, and they're very high on him. They think he's a guy who can potentially slide in to one of those safety spots next year, assuming they're both gone and both open, and maybe maybe even start. Yeah, I think if you look at the freshman playing, a lot of them are going to be on defense because you don't want to look ahead to next year, but you know if you have seven or eight seniors that are playing big roles on the defense, obviously those guys are going to have to be replaced next year, so it's probably good to get these freshmen some time. You know, if you burn your redshirt year or whatever, you get them some practice time, game time experience, and they can try to fill in and you know and play a bigger role when it comes to next year when they lose all those guys on defense. Yeah, everything's everything's happening for a reason with this. Um, you know, there's no, <clears throat> there's no like we're just gonna play this guy because we want to see him. I mean, there's a plan involved here, and I think it is like you said to get some of these guys' experience to get a guy like Monacavianga actual game time so that they can know if he's a guy who will be able to step in and help them next year um to get a guy like you know drew McAllister time to get a guy like Jarrell Casey time so that they know if those guys are ready to contribute next year and what they need to do now to get ready to be at that point next year I think that's been kind of the the whole reload philosophy is is to when you notice that you're losing a bunch of guys that you kind of start to work in some younger guys to get them ready to kind of fill those shoes all right, one guy I want to talk about, and I think when I did my little media tour stuff or you know radio and do some NFL Network stuff, I you think are a media star, by the way. Not not quite, but I'm I'm working on it. We're doing what we can. Uh, just put up a bunch of 
the NFL Network appearances on uh, YouTube. So I'll put those on the board. So if you want to check that out, check out USCfootball.com, and I'll link over to them. But one of the guys that I always mentioned, because of the, the, the struggles of the receivers last year, I just felt that Damian Williams was going to come in and play really well and, and potentially be the number one receiver on this team. After two games, he is the number one receiver. He got two touchdown passes, even though he was hobbled a little bit with an ankle injury. You wrote about him last night. Can you give some thoughts on Damian Williams? Yeah, he's just an absolute stud um, in all aspects. Um, you hear the players rave about Damian Williams, a person, and just how affable he is. That was the word Mark Sanchez used. Um, Big word for the quarterback. I know. Fun. I like that. I was like, wow, affable. How about that? I had to look it up. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, they talk just about how well-spoken he is and how smart he is. And the thing what sold me, I think I, we've talked about this before, about Damian Williams was during a summer workout, um, you know, sometimes some kids are kind of just floating around the sidelines and stuff like that. Well, Damien Williams went up to one of these kids and, and introduced himself and was like, I'm Damien, who are you? Totally unprovoked, no real reason to do it other than him just being nice. And that's kind of when I was like, this, this is somebody who's ready for the spotlight that comes with being a star player at USC. And, and really, he stepped up. He's looked wonderful, I think, you know, as a player. There's nothing that he does particularly excellent that I can think of. I mean, he's not you know, just a hands guy, just a speed guy. But he has aspects of all of those things in his game. He's very well-rounded. Seems to get open. Um, Pete Carroll compared him to Steve Smith um, and, and just with his decision-making ability and his just the way that the quarterbacks can lean on him. He's a spectacular player. Um, I think, you know, obviously Mark gets a lot of credit for the improvement in the passing game. I think probably not as much credit, but a, lot, a, a big chunk of it should still go to Damian Williams for why this team has been more uh, potent offensively. He's just smooth. I think I brought that up to John Morton, uh, the uh, receivers coach, and he's like, that's a perfect way to describe him. He is smooth. So, yeah, it'd be fun to watch him for the rest of the year and uh, see what that kind of rotation looks like. They A few more guys caught balls against Virginia. Uh, the offense, you know, I, I think if you want to look for one weakness on this team, yeah, it was a good Ohio State defense that they were playing, but they had some self-inflicted wounds, and I talked about this a little bit with Coach Harvey Hyde. I want to get your thoughts on it. There was just they left some first downs on the table. They obviously left some points. They could have beat them worse than they did, and it wasn't all because Ohio State was playing great defense. It looked like they just made mistakes on offense. Yeah, you know, one of the I think the first play of the game actually, Damian Williams, the guy who has made all the right decisions, broke off a route too early by doing an incompletion. Uh, Mark Sanchez missed on some screen passes that you know could have been big plays. They, they, you know, he underthrew the ball to Damian Williams in the corner of the end zone. He overthrew Damian Williams on a poster out. Um, you know, Coach Carroll said that realistically, after reviewing the tape, Damian could have caught four touchdown passes Whoa. in that game. That would have been a breakout. Yeah, that would have been a pretty big game. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so they they definitely did things poorly against Ohio State, which I actually think is a good thing because, you know, now it's not like we, they haven't peaked yet, and you don't want to peak in your second game. You want to peak at the end of the year. And so now that they can keep taking these little things and improving, going along, you know, getting ready for Oregon State, they're gonna, they're, I'm sure that they'll look sharper in those areas where they struggled. It's, it's almost scary because I don't want to, you know, you don't want to hype up this team too much. But usually when you play a good defense, and, and people are going to rag on Ohio State, they got guys, they got first round draft picks all over that place. You know, I mean, there's, there's athletes on that team that is a really good defense, and USC did what they do and they just it didn't matter what Ohio State did on defense there was no pressure 
on Mark Sanchez. A lot of times when you see an offense struggle, it's because the defense makes them do things that they don't normally want to do. I don't think USC... I mean, USC did everything they wanted to do, and that's why I'm saying they were kind of self-inflicted wounds. It wasn't like Ohio State was forcing their hand. They just didn't execute sometimes, and they, it's almost like they could have did whatever they wanted to on offense. Through two games, they've really dictated what they want to do, like you said, on both sides of the ball. They haven't had to react yet to anything. They've, they've kind of done what they wanted to do. Yeah, they had to react a little bit to Terrell Pryor. That was probably the only guy that's made them kind of change what they were trying to do. But other than that, they've just done whatever they wanted, and they've executed, and that's why they've won by 300 points to, to <laughs> six or whatever. You know, I mean, it's because of that stuff. It's just like practice. Um, you know, Blake Ale said he even got yelled at for this. I, I talked to him yesterday. He said that when he, w- when he caught his touchdown pass, he's like, I wasn't even looking at the defense. It was just like I was doing it in practice. And, you know, that's probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> probably want to look at the defense. But, I mean, it's been that kind of thing where – when you compete against guys like Brian Cushing and Ray Maluga and Kaluka Maiava and Taylor Mays and Kevin Ellison and Kyle Moore and Everson Griffin and, and Feely Moala, you know, and Avril Spicer, I'll just name all of the I was going to say, you're, you're, you're that's past the whole, six, you got to name everybody. That's the whole defense. I mean, when you compete against those kinds of players, Clay Matthews has been just phenomenal. Um, and you do that in practice and you just beat your heads against those guys, what, who's Ohio State? That's kind of like, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's a very good defense, but is it better than what USC had? I mean, obviously, I didn't, it didn't look like it. It looked no. like the USC defense was better. And when you practice against a team that's better, I mean, there's no intimidation there. They didn't scare them at all. No, there was no uh, scare tactics going on. It, the, what, the thing that reminds me, this team doesn't really remind me, and I talked about this on the NFL Network, Sanchez and McKnight are not... Leinert and Bush, you know, yet. I, mean, I think they can be special, but they're not that level yet. They're not both Heisman winners and stuff like that. But I think this defense is better than those defenses were, and they're healthier. I mean, against Vince Young in the Rose Bowl, that defense was so beat up. They had so many guys. You had the Ting brothers that were on the field. They're just not – that's not what you would expect from a USC defense. Now, if the top two corners get hurt, I mean, they got two more corners that will fill in and, and play and play well. So I think the defenses on this team – are better than before. The offense can, can potentially be special, but what this team does that those other teams used to do, it reminds me of this, they made those halftime adjustments. Like after halftime, people did not score on USC. If something worked in the first half, Carroll would change something, and it wouldn't work in the second half. And, you know, you, the, I think Ohio State had 20 yards or something in the, in the third, or 30 yards in the second half, and they didn't score any points, obviously. It was like something like two or three yards in the, in the third In the third quarter, quarter yeah. yeah. And, that's just something that you knew something special was going on. They kind of got away from that the last couple of years where it was just like, yeah, they were good in the first half and good in the second half. They were great in the first half and dominant in the second half. And I think that's what people remember from those championship teams that Carroll had a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, obviously the way that they played defense in the second half was just unfair. I mean, it was like, it was like playing video games, really. I mean, like the, the, that just doesn't happen in real life on a consistent basis. But this is what the this is what that defense has done. I mean, when you look at all those guys and you look at and you think about all the money that they're going to make at the next level. I mean, there's so, so many NFL players on that defense and just so many special athletes. It's it's really remarkable. It's kind of like a perfect storm right now on defense where they've got experience, they've got some younger players who bring a lot of a lot of energy. They've got guys incredibly hungry that are on the bench that are running around when they get the chance and making plays and 
and and doing things on special teams. I mean, you know, I think Jordan Campbell's been a perfect example of that as a guy who's really stepped up his game, kind of you know on special teams and in practice. You know, he, he he's everywhere. He's all around the ball, and he can't even find the field yeah. during a game. I mean, like really, you know, I mean it's remarkable when you think about just the talent and the depth on this defense. They don't get worn down because they've got you know, two or three guys at every position they could use, and they're just not tired. I mean, Ohio State, back-breaking drive in the first quarter. I mean, a long drive, 17 plays, took almost nine minutes off the clock. And it was like, if at anything, it just made the USC defense angry. It wasn't like it wore them down or broke them. It's like you shot a grizzly bear with a BB gun or something, and they just kind of got pissed off and said, uh, we can't believe we gave up points. That's not going to happen for the rest of the game. And it didn't. Yeah, no, that's a great analogy, Ryan. I'm pretty good at those. Yeah. Well, it's funny. If you look at, like, you're talking about guys like Jordan Campbell, guys who came in, four- and five-star guys, who used to be in super studs, and they're happy being a role player. He's happy making plays on special teams and whatever he can get in. And then you've got guys like... For now. For now, yeah. But then you've got guys that are like, you know, the the five-star guys like Ray Maluga and Brian Cushing, who they're going to be making a ton of money, you know, within a calendar year. And you look at them... They're not acting like these prima donnas who are like, I'm just better than everybody. I mean, they're acting like the role player guy. I mean, they're just like, we're part of the system. And it's weird the way that Pete Carroll's created this culture. You got these guys that are going to be multimillionaires really soon. And they're really, they're not acting like that at all. No, there, there really hasn't been any, any serious problems to speak of as far as guys acting like prima donnas or anything like that. I think for the most part, everybody's bought in. You know, this team wants to win a title. This team. You know, the players that came back, they they want to win and they want to get better. And they're approaching every day like that. I mean, Ray knows that if he would have gone to the NFL last year, he probably would have been a first-round pick. But his game wasn't where he thought it could be or needed to be to be an impact player when he arrived. So he came back to school, and he's working on that. And while he's working on that, he's trying to lead this team to a national title. And it's that kind of mentality, I think, that permeates through the entire roster when they see guys like that that have kind of come back and sacrificed those millions to come back for to work hard for free, you know, and, and, and to try to win a national title. I think that that sets a phenomenal example for the rest of the team. All right, Dan, it looks like we're just about out of time, unfortunately. But it's one that, you know, it's your couple games in covering USC. You spent the previous year covering Old Miss. What's the difference covering a team that's struggling <laughs> and a team? I mean, it might not be as fun to co- – I mean, it might be more fun to cover a struggling team where you can write more scathing kind of stuff. No, it's not more fun. Um, you, you don't like to bury college kids if you don't have to on, on stuff like that. I mean, you know, and you can't ever really write that just a team just isn't good enough. Um, or you can, but, you know, people always say, oh, it's this or this or this. You know, when a team's winning, it's it, it's more fun because you get to kind of kind of pick at what they're doing and try to find the things that they could do better. You kind of nitpick a little bit, but then at the same time, you just kind of soak it all in and say, wow, this is a team that just trounced Ohio State and, and – it's fun. It, it, it's fun to be around. It's, it's special. I, I get a good feeling from being around this team, and which is surprising because usually everything I'm around just turns straight to crap. <laughs> so it's it's been really remarkable that that you know my presence hasn't you know infected the team at all, and it's been a it's been a fun year so far. Yeah, I'm sure the USCFootball.com subscribers appreciate the fact that the team hasn't gone in the tank since you arrived. Though. Yeah, I know, right? Who'd have thought? Otherwise, it'd be torching you or something. I don't know. But anyway, Dan, thanks for coming into our studio. Our first in-studio guest with our new equipment in here. Hopefully it worked out well. Yeah, I had fun. It was good. Thanks for having me. Oh, definitely. And everyone else, 
Thanks very much for another week of the Peristyle podcast. And thanks to our sponsor, tailgatehaven.com. We're going to have a very special week off, and we'll have a very special week next week on Wednesday because we'll be traveling up to Corvallis, Oregon. Was it the Trojans take on the Oregon State Beavers in a rare Thursday night game? So stay tuned next week for our preview of Oregon State. We'll be back then. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.